Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. We hope you enjoy the message. So today, we're, we're coming to the conclusion of our, our, our series of sermons, five, five Ways to Wreck Your Life, and today we're going to conclude with the thought uh, that one of the ways that we can wreck our lives is to have a life that's way overcommitted. And so what happens is that, or happened in the past, is that we, we were able to define our schedules. When somebody asked, how are you doing? We would say simply, I'm busy. But then we found out that busy wasn't adequate enough. So we put some, some, some words around it. I'm really busy. I'm far too busy. And then we had to replace busy and we used the word buried. How you doing? I'm buried, man. And then it got to be, I'm really buried. I, and then we just stopped trying to define how our lives were going. Are you there? And so basically, we get to this place, it's called a tipping point, where we realize that all of the commitments, all the responsibilities, all the things that we need to get done uh, are overwhelming, and our lives really start falling apart. And that's what we call living the life of overcommitted. Now, if, if I were to define one of the challenges that is absolutely true of most people who come to this church, most of you would say to me, I really do have a challenge with the speed of life. I, I really feel that life is just overwhelming, and I just feel overcommitted, overburdened of all the stuff that I have to do, and I'm exhausted. And so as we think about those challenges, I want to give you three ideas real quickly about, about time management, um, and then we'll get into the sermon. But here's, the, here's the one of the big understandings about time management in our lives is that some assume that if I just go to a workshop, hear a 30-minute sermon, read a book, all my problems with time are going to automatically disappear. Uh, the reality is, is that this is a lifelong challenge that all of us are embarking on. The second thing that I would suggest to you is that when we try to manage our life with respect to time, that doesn't mean that we're not going to be busy. We will always be busy, but the question is, is are we busy doing the right things in life? And the other thing that I would suggest to you is that having this life that we would call that's imbalanced, the life that God really wants us to have, uh, really comes when we make the wisest choices in life. In fact, I would say in today's culture, the need is for us to be incredibly wise as, with respect to time. And when we realize that life really is about a series of trade-offs, and, cause we, and what I mean by that is that if you say yes to whatever this thing is out here that's going to consume a segment of your time, the reality is that you're saying no to something else. And so we need extraordinary wisdom as we try to lead, uh, live uh, a life that's not overcommitted. Now, a lot of you were kind of uh, affirming with the video that we showed last weekend to lead up today's sermon. Did you like that video? The best part of it was when I got to throw the cell phone. Boy, that felt good. Wasn't mine, so I threw it really hard. Um, 
But I had the line in there that said that I am a time management guru. I don't know if you picked up on that. And so what you need to know is that there's television and then there's reality. That was television. Okay. And I'll give you an example of, of when time got away from me uh, recently. And actually it happened last Sunday. We, I knew that we had this sermon series, and by the back of my left side of my brain knew we had this sermon series, and I knew that on last Sunday that we were going to have this creative little segment that I was going to be involved in. On the other side of my brain, the back of my brain, the right side, I knew that we put serve, the workshop about serving in our church on the same day. The problem is, is that the left and the right didn't connect at any point, until Carmel Bennett pointed out and said, hey, Jay, do you realize, and I do what a lot of you do, two places one time, we'll make it work out. Well, we made it work out, but it wasn't necessarily an easy thing. And so whenever I talk today, it's not going to be the first person, me, or that second person, some, you know, you've been to church when the preachers go, go, you, 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 like that. No, it's going to be a we kind of conversation today. Uh, because this is a challenge for me as well. Um, but here's the four things that I really want us to walk away with at the end of the sermon. Is that first that we're going to look at some of the challenges. Now, as I was preparing for this sermon, I reached out to some very wise counselors and uh, professional counselors. And I asked them for some help. And one of the things I asked them for is, why are we overcommitted? And also, the second part is, how does overcommitment impact our lives? And I went ahead and uh, do, said that as a disclaimer so that if you don't like what I'm saying, you can get on to our counselors, don't get mad at me, all right? But then we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about it. And it will surprise us that the Bible has a, quite a bit to say about time and how we use our time. And then at the end of the sermon, I'm going to give you a time to reflect uh, and reflect what should be your next steps. Because this sermon is not going to be that... Ten easy steps for you to get to use time and walk out of here with some degree of sanity. But what it should do is start the conversation of what does time management mean in my life. And I'm hearing some kind of weird noise, guys. I don't know if y'all are hearing it too. But uh, So what, what are those? It's not going to be about that. Okay. That just got me distracted. I just went ADD. <laughs> I know that was a good point, but we'll figure out. So anyway, so anyway, it's not going to be about that, but it's going to be an opportunity for you to start thinking through your life with respect to time. And actually for you and, and maybe your spouse, maybe you individually, start thinking through it as you leave today. Now, what we've done for you is that we put in your, your sermon notes, here are some suggested resources. And so you'll notice that one of the resources that we actually teach a workshop, a time management workshop called The Five Choices, and we teach it annually. You want to watch for that. And then there's some books in there as well that we have found that would help us as we, uh, as we move through this topic. So let's ask the question of, of why do we struggle with it? Why does it seem to be such a common problem in our culture? And you might find yourselves in these as I talk about them. And, and that the first one is that we get overcommitted and overwhelmed in life when you have two adults, two working adults that are trying to manage a home and raise kids. Some of you are there. 
uh, we get overcommitted uh, simply because of the demands of work. And what's happening in our culture today is that many of us are told we got to work smarter, which basically means that our company is downsizing the number of employees but still expecting the same output by people that remain without any respect to the fact can it be done. Overcommitted comes out of a single parent who's trying to, to work full-time, raise kids, and, and somehow have some form of life. Overcommitted happens whenever uh, we're commuting. And so we just have to just go ahead and put it out there. Once our car gets north of the airport, we just lost two hours of our life that day, right? Maybe three or four. Overcommitted comes as a result of the demands of raising children and just the constant demands of, of our kids' involvement in the homework that comes with it. It happens because of our 24-7 uh, culture that we live in and the expectation that I have to have my smartphone on all the time. I'm expected to respond to texts or emails at all times of the night, and we don't have a time when we can disconnect. It happens uh, sometimes, and this is kind of a, a, a weird thing, but I've seen it happen. Out of, it happens out of pride. And you've been, you've been around these, these individuals that get a kind of a sick gratification of being needed, needed, wanted. And, and they really thrive on people asking questions and, do, and just coming through them all the time. And when you, you're around them and you talk about overwhelming or being overwhelmed, they kind of drop into self-pity. They go, oh, well, you just don't understand my time. You know? And it's really at the core saying I've getting a lot of pride out of being needed. And then they even brag about how busy they are, and they say, well, I, I can't even, I've got four weeks of vacation. I only took a couple of days this week. Well, that's dumb. All right, if you're one of those people, one of the biggest truths I learned from my pastor is that you don't get a trophy for unused vacation time. Just want you to know that, right? Uh, it comes of all the choices that we have. Enormous choices of life. And then the, I think one of the latter things is that we, we have an overcommitted life as a result of, of guilt. And here's what often happens is that somebody wants you to do something, and what do they do? They guilt you into doing it. And out of guilt, you say yes to it. Because you want to be a nice person. You want to help people out. And, and they just, you're manipulated out of the guilt. It didn't matter if it fit in your time or not, but you find yourself having to do it. So that's kind of some of the reasons, not exhaustive, but that's some of the reasons that we live this overcommitted life. But what are the results? And again, this might be you, and you might want to say, okay, that's me. The first thing is that high amounts of stress. And we live in a day when incredible levels of stress are impacting us. Uh, We live with constant guilt because we feel, you know, we're, we're doing this, but yet we feel that we ought to be over here. Something else that I would rather do, but... I'm too busy to do it. Uh, we find ourselves in depression, uh, even uh, to a point where our, our immune system is weakened because of all the things that are going on. Uh, people that are closest to us stop asking for our time because they know that we're too busy to give them the, our time. That's kind of sad when our kids think, I, I can't ask mom or dad to help me. They don't have time. Activities are being multitasked like eating. You're so busy, you can't just do one thing at a time. You're multitasking. And, folks, i got to tell you, it's a dangerous level whenever you can't even feed yourself. 
We're sitting there trying to drive down the interstate eating a Big Mac. We find ourselves in life realizing that we're overcommitted whenever we dread getting up in the morning because of all the things that we have in front of us or we're more tired getting up in the morning than we were the night before because of sleep deprivation. And then we're in survival mode, and survival mode seems to be the only mode that we seem to find our lives in, and I think many of us are there. And number 10, I I think is, uh, I I can't quantitatively prove this, but I'm around educators, I'm around kids quite often, so I, I think I can say this with a degree of certainty is that I think in this overcommitted world, our kids aren't as emotionally healthy and secure as they ought to be. Uh, Because they don't have, uh, uh, you know, just time, downtime uh, in their lives, that they tend not to be uh, secure. I think that many of our marriage failures stem out of the fact that couples can't give attention to the relationship that matters the most. And then we find our marriage in danger. And even more tragic is that sometimes our spiritual life stalls as a result of being overcommitted. So that's kind of the whys. And these are the results. Well, what does the Bible say about it? So I'm going to take you to a couple passages in the Bible. And first passage in the Bible is found in Psalm 90, verse 12. And if I were to give you a summary of what these these, uh, passages really mean to us, it's this, that time is the only commodity that really matters. Time is the only commodity that really matters. And as we look in Psalm 90, 12, where where we're going to look at the value of time, and here's your big takeaway, here's the principle is, is that we have to understand the value of time and live with a sense of purpose. So let's get into Psalm 90, 12, and let me give you some background to this passage before we read the particular verse. This is probably one of the most interesting uh, psalms in, in the Bible in that it is attributed to Moses. And we think that what was happening is that Moses is coming to the end of his life. Uh, We think that perhaps uh, his brother and sister had died. And those people that are really close to him had died. And he knows that his time on earth is coming to an end as well. And so he is sitting and he is reflecting on his life and particularly the journey of the Israelites. Now, if you want to get some more background, you can go to Numbers 14, which provides a really good background of the journey of the people of Israel. You'll remember that they were in captivity in Egypt, and God rescued them. He redeemed them, and they were to go through the wilderness into what was the promised land. And upon entering the promised land, they were to become his people, his redemptive people in life. But what happened along the way is that because the people had a rebellious heart and because they constantly tested God, the Lord decreed that that instead of entering the land, that their travels would stop in the wilderness. And for 40 years, the people wondered, and so that one generation could die out, and a new generation would uh, would be born that would have the, the, the heart of a warrior in obedience. 
And it's important to note that the first and best plan was for the people of Israel, this first generation, was to go from point A to point B. But they missed it. Now, here's a a key concept for you. One of the great tragedies of life is to reflect back and look and realize that God's first and best plan for my life did not come into reality because I didn't listen to God's voice. And so he's sitting, and you can read all the rest of this psalm, but basically what, he, what, the, what Moses does is he tries to get his arms around the eternal, eternal nature of God and basically try to put a number on it. And his number was, all right, if I lived a thousand human, human days... For thousand. In God's perspective, that's his one day. But then he reflects and he looks at his life and he says, but now, if I live to 70 and 80, if I get to that age, it's like that. And some of you know that. You know, some of us have tipped over that middle age place in life. And we're looking back and thinking, man, Where did life go? It's just like this. And so Moses was thinking about his life. And he was thinking about what was going on in his life. And he gets to to verse 12. And he says this. So teach us to number our days. That we may give you a heart of wisdom. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. And so keep in mind, this, Moses has seen a whole generation wandering aimlessly in the desert. Uh, there was no specific destination in sight for these people. And, he's, and he really, if you had to sum up this verse, you can see it on the screen, is that unless we're gripped with life's brevity in place, proper value on time, We have no matter how long or short it is, we never gain a wise heart. Now, you can buy a smarter calendar. You can buy a smarter phone. You can do all of these things, go to all of these workshops, and you can put all these systems into place, and you might do a better job scheduling your time, but it doesn't mean that you're doing a better job spending that time. And so as we think about our lives, the key is, is we waste our lives when we have no purpose or sense of destination and we just drift, which begs a question. Why do you think God puts you on planet earth? Well, let me give you an example. I went, got into our Dodge Caravan. It's a minivan. I'm man enough to admit it. It doesn't have wood paneling, but I look good in it, all right? Kind of. And I went to the, um, the Publix in Fairburn, and it's, it's right there on South Fulton Parkway. I don't know if you've ever been there. And so I'm coming out in my minivan, and I see all of a sudden four, three or four muscle cars pull off the side of the road. Man, there was a a Ford Mustang, and it just wasn't a, a Mustang. It had that little thing on the, fr- the hood that made it go faster. 
I don't know what that's called, but it, it looked pretty good to me. And then, and then this uh, uh, Dodge pulled up. I think it was a Dodge Challenger that looked really, really fast. And then, ooh, the big one came up. It was that uh, Corvette. I thought, boy, I look good in that one. All right. So all of a sudden, these three cars pull up, and they're waiting. And then all of a sudden, here comes the rest of the pack. There are 10 of these cars, muscle cars, fast. And I'm watching. And then I realize what they're doing. They have polished these cars up. Not only did they muscle them, but there was a muscle times 10. I mean, we're looking good. And then I realized these guys, all they're doing is driving South Fulton Roads, just kind of going like this. And I thought, all that money going nowhere. So I turned my 2006 Dodge Caravan car on. I went home. And the good thing is that those guys were sitting in the empty car, and I got home. I had a beautiful wife that was sitting next to me in my car, looking good. That's what our lives are sometimes. We have to have a filter in our lives to determine what is it that I'm going to give my life to that will help us place the greatest value. So what the call is, is understand first, what is my purpose in life? Why am I here? Where am I going? Jesus Christ was really clear about his purpose. The Son of Man has come and seek and save those who are lost. In other words, he was clear about what he was going and what he was doing, and he didn't allow all of these distractions to get him off track. So the first thing that I would suggest to you is, is figure it out. Okay, why am I here? What is my purpose? And that becomes the filter for making decisions in life. Sometimes we make a decision based on money. Well, if I take this job, I might be gone more, I might have to do more or this or that. But I make more money. But it's always going to come up short. Does that job, does that whatever fit what God has designed you to do? And then you can ask a question as people present you a time challenge. It says, am I willing at this time to make the investment required to make a positive impact? Does it fit what I want to do? And that came out of one of the books that we refer to you called Triggers. Am I willing at this time to make an investment required to make this uh, a positive impact. But now the other thing that I would suggest, a lot of you are parenting children, and you, you're trying to figure out, I mean, that's, a, that's the most frantic time of life. And a lot of, lot of families are just scrambling and just basically surviving. Uh, and, and, and so at the moment in our lives, now I've done a lot of things that have just killed me in a time, but this one thing we did right. I came across a book, The Three Questions for a Frantic Family. It's in your bibliography. And I began to read it, and as I read it, it started to make sense to me that what was happening in our lives. We were just going and going and going without the idea of, is it a purposeful going? Is it something that we ought to do? How do you decide to say yes to things, particularly with your children? And so we pulled away and, and one of the things that we did is that we really defined what is our purpose in, as a family in that, is there a Bible verse? And so we even found a Bible verse, Colossians, uh, I think it was chapter three fifteen, 
described our, 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 our purpose, you know, biblically from a family. And then we said, okay, if we're going to function as we ought to function, what's our purpose? And we said we exist as a family to honor God. And one of the things that we determined, Karen and I determined, is that the outcome of our parenting is that we wanted children who would love Jesus Christ. We didn't want to turn them off. And so what we then that did for us is it helped us understand these are the things that we're going to do, but it also gave us the, the bandwidth to say, now that's not something that we are going to do. And it, to the degree that, you know, that we could, it helped us bring a little bit of sanity to our home. And so what you parents need to think about is I need to be the parent. We need to be the family. What will we say no to. We'll come back to that in just a minute. Here's a second thought, and it's found in Ephesians 5.15. In Ephesians 5.15, Paul is writing, and notice what he says. says, look carefully then at how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, the background of this passage is that Paul is talking about the practical application of being a follower of Christ. And he's pointing out to them is that what you want to do is look carefully how you walk, how you live. And then he goes in and says, and oh, by the way, make the best use of your time. And that word means redeem the time. In the essence, the key takeaway is this. We are to steward the time that God has given us. Time is important, and it ought not to be wasted. And really, God cares about how we manage the time. And so when he says about watch closely how you walk, it has the idea of doing it with purpose. Uh, Have a purpose and direction in your life. Life is not to be aimless, nor is it a series of frenetic kind of activities and then downtime. We're to be diligent about the things that we bring and, and give our time to. And sometimes we have to be ruthlessly diligent about it. And when we look at this passage, Paul says, the days are evil. What does that mean? Well, my brother had this statement that he would share with his high school students. He said, students, every one of us is a step from stupid. Now you think about that. Every one of us are a step from stupid. And everything that is listed in the Bible that is considered sinful, uh, we can do those things. And we can get off track. And then he goes on and he talks about drunkenness. He says, and Paul seems to be reaching out to his readers and shaking them by the, by the shirt. And he says, now listen to me. Don't give your life to drunkenness. Do you see that? And basically he's saying, don't give your life. Don't give control of your life that something to something that will waste your life, that will destroy your life, that will, will cause you to wake up and think, why in the world did I even come into this world? And basically saying, don't allow anything to control your life other than Christ. Now, we know that, that in, to, in that culture, as is today's culture, the problems of, of, of alcoholism um, was a huge challenge. 
And it's a huge challenge in our world. It's a huge challenge in our church. And we want you to know that we just don't talk about it. We want to give you hope. In fact, what we're doing is that we're about to start Celebrate Recovery. And if you're caught into some habits, some hangups, some life issues that's keeping you from the life that Christ wants you to have, we have a ministry for you that we're about to start. Pay attention to it. And so as he, as he looks at that, he, again, he says, don't allow anything to get you off track. Don't let anything to have control of you. But then what about some of the things that are kind of benign? What about some things that... Might not be bad, not maybe good. It's just it's there. So it gets into things like social media. Now, that's going to step into some dangerous waters here, right? Okay. Protect me. I don't know who's out here protecting me. Okay, here we go. Social media. How many of you likes Facebook? Say aye. Is Facebook bad or good? Just is, isn't it? Okay. But if you're doing Facebook and you wake up or look on the watch and say, oh, it's 2 o'clock in the morning you might have a problem. If you're playing video games, now video games, son, uh, uh, you know, dad, that's great. Have fun and, or just have fun because we all need downtime. But again, if you notice you're playing video games and all of a sudden four hours of your life is gone, you got a problem. Pinterest. I have no idea what that does. <laughs> Other than this. If you're planning a wedding, Pinterest is your consultant. That's what's going on in my house. So what you look at is say, okay, now let's look at the measure of activities in our life. And what is it that is consuming life? What is it that fits our purpose? What is it that fits my purpose in life? Those are the things that I give my time to. But then what about those activities that involve our children? And, and you know, this is, this is just an observation. I've already uh, touched on it before. Um, you know, we, Karen and I are not too far out of parenting teenagers. And uh, as a result of, of being around educators and, and just around a lot of parents, I, I am concerned about the levels of activities that are going on with our kids. Uh, there are kids that they show up at school at 7 in the morning, they're picked up, and then they go to this activity, that activity, and that activity, and they show back out at the house about 9 o'clock. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a very dangerous kind of thing for our kids. Now, I, I think kids ought to have extracurricular activities. I think that they play sports, that's fine. But even there, our sports have gotten off the chain because they're told, our kids are told, you got to play fall ball, winter ball, all these other balls all, all year round. And uh, there's, there's no time to be family. And so I talked to a friend of mine, Bo Brezina. Many of you know Bo. He goes to our church, one of our wise counselors. And Bo is uniquely gifted into speaking into this challenge because he has five kids one wife in a busy life. And so he said this, I can become overcommitted and overwhelmed as a parent if I don't understand where I'm supposed to get my needs met. 
For example, I can easily start making decisions based on fear. If I don't sign my kid up for this activity opportunity, then they might, may not meet their full potential. If they don't meet their full potential, then life will not go as well for them. If life does not go well for them, then I will probably feel bad and I don't parent as well as I should, which means I'm not being a good parent. If this scenario happens, then it will be harder to respect, accept, and feel adequate as a parent. I therefore need to make sure I don't mess this up, and I guess I should probably sign them up for it, even though I don't have the time or the money to do it. You see, it's a dangerous trap, isn't it? And at some point, as parents, what I would encourage you to do is let's hit the timeout button. Let's, let's stop and ask the important question. Okay, what are we really trying to accomplish here with our kids? When our kids leave our home, what is it that we really are trying to accomplish with them? And let's make decisions about time based on that. And let's keep in mind this. The greatest advantage that kids have is you. It's not sports. It's not extracurricular. It's you and spending time with you. And you know, parents, that even extends whenever your kids leave the house and they become adults. How are we stewarding the time of our children. And the last point, just very quickly, that we'll touch on, and I'm not, we ran out of time. I'm not going to read this passage uh, to you, so I'll let you do it for homework. It's found in Ecclesiastes, where it says, uh, we have to see time through the eyes of eternity. And basically here, the, t- the management principle is this, don't be so busy that you can't enjoy life. In fact, let me go ahead and just read um, one of these verses. For example, in verse 12, I perceive that there's nothing better for them than to be joyful and to to do good as long as they live. Now, what does this mean? We are so busy that life is a drudgery. If we're so busy that, that we can't enjoy just the simple pleasures of life, we've got to take action. Because life ought to have joy. So now, as we think about our next steps, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want to ask you to you maybe pick up your communication card or, or maybe in your notes, what steps do you need to take to manage your overcommitted life? What are some steps that you can take Now, again, we're not answering all the questions of what to do here. But what we will do is provide a framework for you to have conversations. So maybe what that that thing you need to do is you and your spouse need to have some hard conversations. And for some of you, you're saying, well, we are so busy with our jobs that we can't enjoy life. Uh, You you might want to do what a friend of mine did. Uh, He quit. I mean, he downsized in order that he can have life. Uh, and you know, guys, it's, it's okay to, drive, to live in a smaller house if you have a life. It's okay to drive an old minivan, seriously, if you can have life. You don't necessarily have to have 
the newest and the best because that could be the source of the problem. So here's some thoughts I want you to work through. The band's coming up, and they're going to have a time for you just to pray, just to think, what are my next steps? Here's, a, here's some ideas. Unless we're gripped by life's brevity and pr- place a proper value on time, on the time we have, no matter how long or short it is, we'll never gain a wise heart. The battle against an overcommitted life is a lifelong process. Intentionality is the key for manage our lives. Determine north, which means understanding what is my purpose? Why am I here? What are my values? What are my desired outcomes are essential. I must honestly ask the hard questions as to the value of an activity before saying yes. I must see time as a priceless resource. We're not to allow anything but Christ to control us. Wisdom is required to manage life well. Boy, don't we need a lot of wisdom today. If I'm too busy to enjoy life, I'm just too busy. So as you think about these thoughts, what should be your next step to moving from an overcommitted life to the life that God has called you to? Let's pray together. So, Father, we acknowledge that time is short. We acknowledge that life, no matter how long it's lived, is shorter than we think it is. And we acknowledge that we need to steward our time. Lord, to do this, we need wisdom. Father, give us the ability to know the things to say yes to and the courage to say no. And Father, may our lives be filled with joy. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you'd like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword dogwood to 779-77 or click the give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and more.